UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Blue Dog Man, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I'm really excited to um, have my next guest on. I, she got referred to me by the great Michelle Carpenter. Um, and then who I'm talking about is Jill Cole. Jill Cole is an international hypnotherapist, author of the book, The Discourse, 12 Channeled Hypnosis Sessions to Prepare Humanity for Ascension. She's a medium, a public speaker, and energy healer. She channels Jesus, her brother James, and Archangel Michael and Uriel, as well as her guides Dominus and Aurelius. Born in South Africa, she moved to New Zealand with her Kiwi husband in 1987 and lives a peaceful life in the beautiful lake town of Wanaka. And again, the book is called The Discourse, 12 Channeled Hypnosis Sessions to Prepare Humanity for Ascension. And I want to give her a big warm welcome to the show. Jill, thank you for coming on. How are you? Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Could be better. I've got terrible hay fever, so excuse these red eyes. I'm not crying. It's just allergy. I just, I love the fact of how tuned in you and Michelle are. I didn't realize it before. I've done podcasts with Michelle in the past, but you guys are really tuned into like the other side, it seems like. And, and, and I want to be like that as well. Like I have psychic abilities, but mine are like teetering on just like good intuition. And, um, you know, like it, I can pay for a sporting event. I can pick teams really well. Like who's going to win. Like, it's like, I have a psychic knowing, but I can't do a reading. You know what I mean? How did you get to the point where you developed or you sharpened your psychic skills or you always have them? That is such a good question. Actually, nobody's ever asked me that before. <laughs> um, I think I've, I think I've just always had them since a kid, since a little girl, I used to tell my mum about God's glory and we were never religious. So she said I used to say that I saw this light around people and plants and buildings. And years later, I was told that that's an aura. And I didn't even know that an aura existed. So that was, that was interesting. And then when I came to New Zealand in 1987 and had two um, young babies, I remember going into the laundry and turning around to see if somebody was there. You know how you feel a presence in a room? Yeah. But then there was nobody there. And I thought, oh, well, that's odd. And then through different, really bizarre circumstances, I met this lady. And she was, she's one of the top clairvoyants in New Zealand. And she ended up saying to me that, Jill, I'm not going to give you answers anymore because you can do this yourself. And she said, one day you're going to do everything that I do and more. And I thought, what a load of nonsense, what a load of nonsense. So she taught me how to connect 
with my guides. So would you like me to share that so that your audience can do exactly the same? Oh, yes, definitely. This is so interesting. Okay. So all they've got to do, she said to me, either sit in, a in front of your computer on your word, something that you can type, or with a pad and a pen. Go somewhere where you know that you are not going to be interrupted. And ask a very simple question. So I sent my husband and our boys off to the ski field and stayed away, stayed at home that weekend while they went skiing. And I thought, right, this is my time because I'm not going to get interrupted. And I sat in front of my computer and I said, who's there? And it was total silence. And I started laughing because I thought, oh, well, this is ridiculous. This is like, would you bored when you're 16? And I thought, okay, pull yourself together. So then I got serious and I said, what is your name? And it said, Aurelius. So what she said to me was, you type or write anything that comes into your mind, no matter how bizarre, even if you think it's your imagination, you just write it down. So my mind was going Aurelius. That's crazy. I don't know an Aurelius. Where does this name Aurelius come from? And then I said, what should I not eat? Like really simple questions because it was my first time. I really didn't know what I was doing. And they said pork, lactose, sorghum, and corn. Now, I'd never, ever heard the word sorghum. So there was my proof that I was actually really communicating with something. What's sorghum? What is that? The... I looked it up. I had to look it up afterwards. Sorghum is a wild millet wheat. And it, they put it in a lot of pastries and biscuits. Oh, okay. So is it like a sugar substitute? No, no, it's not. It's actually like, like a flour. Like oh, okay, you okay. flour to make bread. So your guides were telling you what to stay away from as far as like food choices for your allergic, yes. For allergic body. Yes. That's and amazing. Then it got, I know. And then it got so much more advanced. Okay, so I'll shall fast forward, fast forward. Um, the same lady, Glenda Palou, just an amazing teacher, no ego whatsoever. I mean, she could have kept on giving me answers. Instead, she wanted me to grow. And she said, I'm not giving you answers. You can do this yourself. And I just didn't believe in myself. I thought, oh, well, it's fine. Everybody else has got this gift, but I don't. And she came to see me as we were packing our bags to come to this Wanaka ski village. And she said, I've just been to the cemetery to see my husband. And um, he has a message for me. She said, what is it, Jill? So I said, oh, I can't do that. She said, yes, you can. Yes, you can. She said, just ask your guide to come in. What is it that I need to know? And then I started seeing things like they were on a movie. I, when I see stuff, it's like a video or a movie playing. And I said, oh you're going to be going on a trip and I see you're sitting in a train and I think it's overseas I can see mountains and um, the mountain peaks covered in snow and I said in actual fact you're writing a book aren't you I said they're laughing they're telling me that you think that you've nearly finished the book but I'm sorry you've got at least another three chapters to go and I said this book is not for humanity it's for yourself there will be another book and 
I said, I see you standing on stage and there are two men on the side and they are your support. And it's like you are standing on stage, going from little village to little village and reading for people because she does like mediumship. And then I said to her, there's the strangest creature that's just appeared. I said, he's got a head like a crocodile and a body like a man. And she smiled and said, this big crocodile head. And she said to me, that's my guide. So I said, really? She said, yes, ask him what his message is. And I said, I can't understand him. It sounds like, she said, ask your guide. She said, ask your guide to interpret. Oh, I said, because I was new. I didn't know how it all worked. And this creature said to me, be careful who you tell the story to, because many won't believe you that I actually exist. And many will laugh. He said, but I wanted to show myself to show you what it is that you can see and connect with. So that was buzzy. So I arrived in Wanaka and I became a real estate agent. And I went to this one tiny little place about 10 Ks out of town. And I needed to find out how to put pamphlets in a particular letter, a set of letter boxes at this shop. So it wasn't your regular, just go and put a pamphlet in a letter box. So I asked the lady there how to do it. You know, did I need permission? And she was so rude. And I thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. So that night, as I was falling asleep, you know how sometimes you in bed and you just feel and you just go, whoo, because it feels like you've fallen heavily. She was standing at the foot of my bed with her father. And it was the first time I'd ever met her, you know, asking her that question. And her father was all dressed in British clothes, like tweeds, and he was reining in a horse. And he said, um, they told me that he reined her in like an animal and that she bought that chop because she wanted to appease him and make him proud of her. But they said nothing that she ever does in this life will ever make him proud of her. He's so selfish and that all humans are born to appease themselves. You're not here to appease others. When you appease yourself and are true to yourself, then when you do something for somebody else, it comes from your heart. If it doesn't, you get angry, resentful, frustrated, and then you get sick. So you have to live for yourself. So um, they then told me, they showed me her icing a wedding cake, and they said, no, she's not going to be icing cakes, but she's a very creative being, and she needs to start doing something creative. And they said, if she doesn't get rid of the shop by the end of the year, she will die of a heart attack. She will actually have a heart attack from a broken heart of not being accepted by her dad. And she looked at me and she said to me, where did you get this information from? And I, I never happened before. So I said, well, from my head. And she said, how did you know my father was British? I said, because they dressed him in British tweeds. She said, well, you're 100% correct. And within two weeks, she had sold the business. She came to see, she bumped into me in the grocery store and she said, I didn't even know her name. She didn't even know my name. And she said to me, um, I've sold the business. I've enrolled in an art class. 
I'm mortgage free and I've never felt so good in all my life. And I thought, whoo, that's a really serious, you know, thing to happen to say to somebody. And then the next thing that happened, I was with this lady and she said to me, Jill, I think I've got lung cancer. Please confirm. I said, oh, I can't do that. I'm not a doctor. She said, look, you've either got this gift or you haven't. So I said, well, look, just sit over there and let me communicate. And my guide said, yes, she does have lung cancer. So I said, why the lungs? And he said, because the lungs are a holding place or a reservoir. I said, for what? He said, for all expectations and grief. So she had got divorced many years ago. She'd held her grief in her lungs. Her lungs couldn't hold the pain anymore and the cells mutated. And so she got cancer. So let me ask you something. This, I think this is really important. So our spiritual self can reflect on our physical self. Like, and I've heard that before, like, like our spiritual choices or our, or, or our emotional choices even like can have an effect on our physical being. Stress. There's a lady, yes. There's a lady called Caroline Mace who says this perfectly. She said, your biography becomes your biology. So I'll tell you how I found out about that and it'll all make sense. Before we came to Monica, I was involved in a very bad skiing accident. And they said to me, they didn't think I'd ever walk again. And if I did, it would be really badly. I went for an MRI to find out how bad it was. While I was lying in the MRI chamber, in my head, I said, I wonder how this machine works. And the very next minute I was in a fishing boat and there was things bouncing up and down and it was a resonate of an image, magnetic resonance. And I went, oh, MRI, magnetic resonance image. And then they put me into Stonehenge and I was in the middle of Stonehenge, bouncing between the big stones and the little stones. And if it was a little stone, it would go boing, boing. And if it was a big one, it would go boing. And then they said, Stonehenge is the place for where the gods spoke to the people. It's a transmitting and receiving station. And I said, Amazing. oh, I said, I didn't know that. And then the very next minute, there was this little man in front of me that looked like Mother Teresa, but in male form with crinkled skin, brown eyes. And it was Aurelius, my guide. And I said, wow, isn't this MRI giving you a headache because it's do, 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 do. it's like a jackhammer. He said to me, hush, stop jabbering like a monkey. I want to teach you how the human energy system works. And he showed me fine white mist coming into the mouth. And he said, every human being, please teach them that they own a hotel. They have seven floors. In the top, is their penthouse. In the bottom, with the toes, is the basement. The mouth is the lobby of the hotel. And this is where your energy comes in. This is where your breath comes in. You see, man, woman, child, green, pink, blue, um, Jewish, Christian, uh, whatever you want to call it, it really doesn't matter. All of you get this, and this is your energy. And he said, when it hits through your mouth, it goes up and down your lift shaft from the top of your crown to the bottom of your toes. 
And he said on every floor, and he showed me the thing of Da Vinci, you know, with the um, arms stretched out. And he said, on every floor, there's a lift door. And as you breathe in, those lift doors open up in a nanosecond. They just go, pew, 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 open up. And he said that energy hits a centrifugal force or a vortex, spins around it so fast that if it goes to the one in your crown, it'll go through everything, all the blood vessels, the bones, the arteries, the skin, the membranes, the hair follicles. Now he said, humans have negative emotions, anger, frustration, jealousy, envy, whatever they are, feeling a lack of, and he said, as soon as you then read with rage, he said, that's why so many men have heart attacks. He said, it doesn't travel through. It, there's, there's a blockage. And he said, it's self-inflicted, right? He said, so instead of it being able to just flow beautifully and smoothly and energize everything in there, those cells now mutate. And he said, Ever since you were a little girl, you were always taught to forgive others. But he said, nobody ever told you why. He said, you have to forgive others so you don't hold it. So you have to tip it out. And to be conscious actually means to be aware of your, why the hell are you reacting to somebody? That means you haven't mastered that. That means that they, you are allowing them to be in charge of your emotions. Why would you do that? So mastering our emotions could have a huge impact on our health. It's everything. The whole reason you came to earth is to know yourself and to expand. That's what I wanted to ask you. In your book, you write about what happens when you die. Who are we? What do we live for? And why do we live? It, I mean, like, is this like lessons in your mind? Like, or, or what is our purpose here? Like, from all that you found out from communicating with the other side, like, what would you say our purpose is on this earth? And yeah, Expansion. I'll ask you that first. Expansion and collaboration, because none of us do this alone. Now, quite frankly, right now, Rob, you're having a conversation with me. This is called a discourse. To, have, to hold a discourse is to hold a conversation. But how many people know how to hold a conversation? If you knew how to hold a conversation and to converse, would there be violence? No, exactly. Right? So that's one of the most important things that a human has. And yet we're not taught that at school. We're not taught that nobody is better than us and nobody is worse than us. That we've actually come here to experience something. We've actually chosen experiences. Okay, could I explain to you how that works? Yes. It's, it might be a little bit triggering for some people, but uh, maybe it'll make them see things in a completely different way. So a lady came to see me and she had bowel cancer. Now, having just told you how you hold emotions in your body, and if you hold them for long enough, they mutate, and you either get a heart attack or cancer or a stroke, right? She came to see me with bowel cancer. When I take my notes, 
I take all the notes on the family, like a family history, so that I know that everybody is connected because it's part of the matrix. We are all energy, energetic beings. And if we could see each other, who they are, instead of me looking at you and saying he's got a black top on and he's got a red t-shirt with dark hair, but I actually saw your energy and the beauty of your soul and your spirit all playing a part. This hologram, instead of the meat suit, we would just engage so differently with everybody. So I took the notes with her. She was so, so thin and found out she had this bowel cancer. And I thought, this is interesting because I know things in the bowel is when you can't digest something in your life. When you've got stuff in your chest, it's because you need to get something off your chest, something that's, you know, weighing you down. So all people have to do if they have got a problem is look up the metaphysical meaning of a sore knee, metaphysical meaning of whatever it is, and then they'll know what the emotion is that they should be dealing with. So I, um, I also do the entities removals from the bodies, and I do entities and energies. So I scanned her body, and she had an entity attached to her head. So I knew that the entity had died from a head injury because they attach to the parts usually where they've died. So it was a British man attached. His name was Howard. And I tried to get him back to the light and he said he didn't want to go back. And I said, why? And he said, because the murderer is there. I'm scared. And I thought to myself, bud, you're already dead. You know, he can't kill you again. And um, I said, okay, let's get the murderer in. So I called the murderer in. And um, I said, come on, Howard, tell him how you feel. And he said, why did you do that to me? I was in the prime of my life. And the murderer said, it was an accident. I was drunk. I pushed you backwards. And you fell on your head, smacked against the cement, and you died. So I said, so Howard, what do you want to tell him? And he said, well, what can I do? It was an accident. He said, I said, so you see, you've been hanging around on this earth plane for all this time when you could be back at the light. So are you ready to go now? So he said, yes. So I said, well, what do you want? Let's call the lady Susan. What do you want to say to Susan? He said, look, I'm so sorry. I said, what did you do to Susan by being in her head attached? He said, oh, lack of concentration, poor memory, fuzzy. I said, okay, I want you to pull all your energy away from there and tell me when you're ready to leave. And that's what he did. So I then went down the body. And when I got to the bowel area, there was a dark energy. And it said energy, not entity. So I said, what is your name? Anger. So anger, when did you first appear in Susan's body? When she was seven years old. What happened when she was seven? It was the very first time that her father raped her. Oh, God. So I called her father in, which on, on a spiritual level, and I said to him, tell me about your childhood. And he said, oh, my father was a businessman. He never had the time of day for me. My mum just absolutely adored me. I said, what about your wife? He said, oh, 
she just she just was just just like my father never had the time of day for me i said what about your little girl oh she loves me unconditionally i said that's wonderful i said but can i ask you a question why are you having a sexual adult relationship with a child and there was stunned silence and then he said i'm the one that should have the cancer i i don't know where my mind was how can how can she ever forgive me and i said to her what would you like to tell your dad and she said to him she was crying and crying and she said you robbed me of all my firsts i was too scared to even bring friends home in case you actually you know um hurt them as well she ended up forgiving him and then i asked my guides to take her to a lifetime that is pertinent to the current life of why she's experiencing what she's experiencing and i said where are you she said i'm in india in the 1700s i'm with the british army and they have sent me to india and they've sent me right into the hinterland and i'm newly married with a little girl and i'm an officer in the british army but i'm away for such a long time because there's only an elephant a horseback or on your feet there's no trains or planes or anything like that and eventually i get back and um my wife doesn't want to know me anymore she's actually found somebody else because it's been too long to wait so i said so what did you do did you go and have a relationship with somebody else no i turned to books i used and abused women and little girls when she came out of her hypnosis she said to me jill if you could have seen the atrocities that i did to those little girls and those women i'm no better than my dad how can i ever judge my father she said i don't know how this works but i've got a feeling that i was the perpetrator and i chose to come back and find out what it's like to be the victim oh and she said God. it's almost like i've equalized things now so i've had so many clients with so many different experiences that's so strange like that 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 she came back to this life to experience that that's so deep like on a spiritual level that's so like i mean that's so deep you know i mean it's it's so it's almost hard to comprehend like it's so interesting though really you know what i mean like it makes me think like well, what was my purpose on this life for like like how do we find out our purpose like what what do we do we have to see someone like you or can we find out on our own well, I that's what I do. I think most of the people that come to me have issues that they want to um relationship issues or finding out basically their purpose. And then I connect them with their guides and we go through and find out what it is. And I need to let your audience know that every single purpose is different and every single purpose is part of being so special. Like I had one lady, all she had to do was be a mum. She didn't have to do anything else. She just had to be a mum. That was her purpose. Another lady came and um she was a in India in in like the 16th century owned a tea plantation. Very very wealthy, 
um, had six children, never left the village, stayed there all her life. This time she couldn't understand why she could never settle down and have a relationship. But it found out that she's come here this time to have fun. She's not supposed to have long-term relationship. She actually chose to travel the world and she never had the chance last time. So this time, and now that she knows that, she says, now I'm not beating myself up anymore. Now I know that I can have, you know, a relationship with a guy for maybe 18 months or two years. And then if I go, it's okay, it's fine because I'm going to, I wouldn't be able to travel the way I do if I was bound to somebody. That's so amazing. I wanted to ask you this, like, what have you found out about the afterlife? Like, what is, what is it like there? If you, if you, if you had got any insight and then like, um, cause I've interviewed Richard Martini. He studies like the, the afterlife. He was written books on the flip side. He calls it like, and I've heard that we go to a school sometimes in between lives where we learn. And I've also heard that, um, there's like different times for people where, when they reincarnate back into bodies, like, have you heard anything about this? And like, yeah. um, yeah, I've experienced it. What? <laughs> what? Really? So when I had the MRI, then I had my operation and then I had a near death experience after the operation. Oh, you never told me. I didn't know you had a near death experience. Wow. Yeah, I know. A bit of everything actually. <laughs> so um, I, I couldn't breathe and I didn't know that my lungs were filling up with water and suddenly the whole room lit up with golden light and three pairs of hands came out, came down, huge hands under my torso, under my legs, sort of around my chest. And they started singing rockabye baby to me. And they said, it's not your time. And they showed me how to breathe. And they said, I've got work to do. Then remember I told you that I just did a workshop with Michelle not so long ago. Yeah. And so what we did was we connected people with their guides and she did a channeling with the Council of Eight. And then she did mediumship where she um, gave messages to the audience. And then I got somebody to hypnotize me because I do a lot of channeling under hypnosis. And during the meditation and early on during the day, there was this being, this beautiful being with big blue eyes right in front of my face, literally like two inches in front of my face. And then it felt like it was coming into me and then going out and coming in. And I thought, this is weird. So the hypnotherapist that night, who was part of our um, workshop, she said, "What? where would you like to go after this? And I said to her, well, Michelle's just connected all these people with messages from the other side. And I said, there are a lot of people in the audience I feel needing information. And I said, earlier on when you had the meditation, I had this being coming through me could you take me back to that and then she said well where are you I said I'm in a garden but they're not flowers they're crystals and there's a man standing on a platform it's like a big hangar doors opening up and he looks like Gandalf he's got that long hair and the cloak and he's standing on the edge of a platform and there's spaceships and this huge vast area so she said well what, what's happening i said well this is a landing platform or a way station for the people who've passed over and i have a speciality i'm an octurian and they come in i get the original blueprints 
So what my guides explained to me is that every single one of us come out on a prism of light. So Rob, this time round, you might decide to be the color blue or green or yellow. So they showed me it's like a um, paint swatch that you get with all the colors. So you experience all the different colors, all the different hues, because every single one is a different vibration. So when you actually originate, you come out of the point of stillness that pops out through color, light, sound, and frequency with vibration, which forms into matter through your Merkaba. And that is your vehicle of light, which takes you from lifetime to lifetime. This time you're human, you might decide to be a blue. What happens when you are a blue is that there is a universal law that any color of all those other humans, or should we call them all the other spirits, acting as humans, if they are in the purples or the beautiful greens that complement the blue, you will automatically do stuff with each other and for each other, and there will never be asked anything in exchange. It's just a beautiful flow. And sometimes people won't ask you for din to a dinner party. They won't ask you to join them. And you go, oh, I wonder why they didn't ask me. And he said, those are acquaintances. They're on a different vibration. They literally on a different color, on a different color wave. So he said, don't worry about that, right? And if it doesn't flow, all it is, is they're experiencing a different color. So he said it's a cosmic joke when you have racial division on earth. He said, imagine if all those people that were so anti another race discovered that that's actually what they were the last time they were around. And that's why it's so important to let people know who they are. They are multi-dimensional beings just having a human experience for expansion. Okay, so go back to Arcturus. So there come the spaceships, bringing in the beings that have passed over from all the different planets. And I get the crystals and I get their blueprint. And I get the blueprint of the original hue. So if Robert was a beautiful blue, and at the end of his life, he starts fading and the blue starts getting lighter. He hasn't got the same vibrancy anymore. When he arrives, he gets... My team bring him to me. I have the capacity to find the original blueprint, which is your color, your deep color. And then I choose the crystal for you. And then I put you on what looks like a hospital bed, but without any walls. And I put these crystals of that particular color all around you until you are totally infused, invigorated, and back to your wholeness of who you are to your original stamp, your original blueprint. When you are feeling better, you get escorted to the wise council. You either go with your guide or you go with one of your um, soul family members and they show you a video of your life. They don't judge you. You do the judging. You see every single thing that you did to anybody and to yourself. You're actually able to feel their pain and you're able to feel their joy. 
And then at the end of the screening, they say to you, so how do you, how do you feel you did? And you go, hey, I did a bloody good job. This time I was supposed to learn compassion and I aced it. Awesome. Then you go back to your soul family. It's like a reunion. And then you go for a vacation. And everybody goes to a different place for vacation. If Hawaii was the place you always loved, you go and hang out there. Wherever you want to go. Andromeda, wherever. And when you're sick of vacation time, you go back to your guide and you go to school. And my father passed away. I communicated with him. And I said, where are you? And he said, I'm in the waiting room. So I said, what's the waiting room? He says, well, it's where you, you're waiting before you just go to your next incarnation, for your, your next adventure. And I said, so what are they doing there? He said, they're teaching me the policies and the procedures for my next life so that I know how to handle it. And he said, there's a room there where they take other spirits, like maybe part of your soul family, maybe from another soul family, and they show you, this is going to be your husband, this is going to be your wife, this is going to be your lover, these are going to be your children, and you do some role playing, and then in your lifetime on earth now, something triggers you when you see somebody, and it's like triggering a memory of that role play. So that's how it is. A, a friend of mine, her daughter committed suicide last year. And I asked my guides about that. And they said to me, her guides told her not to come and have an earthly experience because she was such an ethereal being, so light. But she wanted to see what it was like to be on earth. And it was too heavy for her. It was too low. It was too dense. And it caused her so much pain. And she had this longing and longing and longing to go home, to go home. She kept on saying it shouldn't be like this. And eventually she committed suicide and she left. They told me there is no judgment for people who commit suicide. Because it's an experience. They do not have to come back. It's not a karma thing. They don't have to come back and do something again. The spiritual world doesn't work like that. It's all about choices and it's all about experiences. So um, I thought that that was quite... And they said some people have very short lifetimes and others have longer ones. And they said sometimes... The shorter the life, the more the impact. So it's not for us to judge. It's just for us to have the most incredible time and just know who we are and stop stop worrying about everybody else. Just own yourself. Yeah, but what do you do if you find someone that you think could be like you know, like your like twin flame? Like, you know, like what, what if, if all the synchronicities are pointing to it, like, do you think that's like a special thing that we get to experience here on earth if we find that? Uh, Rob, I don't know enough about twin, twin flames. So the only thing that I heard about twin flames is that usually it's not sunshine and light. They, they are here to, to trigger you. 
so that you can see what you need to work on. That's that's pretty amazing. I I, I never thought of that. That's that's pretty cool. Now your your book, the discourse says you're going to prepare humanity for ascension. Do you feel like uh, a couple of questions about that? Do you feel like more people are waking up than ever? And what do you think is causing it collectively? Well, I must say what I found absolutely fascinating is they showed me Fauci standing on a platform next to Judas Iscariot. And I said, why are you showing me this? Because there's been such a division with so many people about that subject. And they said Judas Iscariot was born, incarnated to create and be a big player with the story of Jesus. So, so many people said how awful he was, but in actual fact, he played, played his part perfectly. So Fauci is playing his part perfectly for Ascension because it's waking a lot of people up. Oh, wow. It's, it's causing people to wake up. Like, yes. So, so that's why we can't judge. Do you see, Rob? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Like, um, so what happens when community humanity ascends? Will we like separate from like, will, will people like us separate from the pack or, or like, um, will we experience a different reality? Well, that's, that's your personal choice. So what they've told me and the whole thing for preparing humanity for ascension is the following. We all chose to come here right now. The earth put out a cry for help because it's her time to ascend. She's actually taking a new spot in the universe, in the solar system. She's having her graduation. But the people that she hosts are suffocating her she said her rivers are her lungs but they're throwing pollutants and everything she can't she can't breathe anymore so she needs to shake get rid of everything and shake loose so in the discourse the guides and it's just um channeled information right so what they said was if you want to ascend and do this new earth, whatever you want to call it, this, this new way, this new light, this new life. You have to be light. Because aren't you here as a being of light? Didn't you come here as a prism of light and color? But you think you the human meat suit. You look in the mirror and what do you see? You see your nose and eyes and mouth. And you think, oh, that's a rob. Right? But... They said there was a call out to the universe and the star seeds sent their finest at this time. So you might think that you know somebody that's a real bastard or a bitch and you go, well, there's no way they're here for ascension. No way, Jose. But you don't know what part they're playing. They said everybody that is here on earth at this moment is a part of of the puzzle and they are needed their vibration is needed it's all time and alignment it's like an orchestra it's going to be a little bit off if you haven't got the cello if you haven't got the drums if you haven't got whatever so they said this is what you have to do number one 
know yourself. If people are triggering you and situations are triggering you, you are heavy. You are carrying the emotion of the situation, something that you can't control. You need to release it. You need to be light. You need to remember that you are a light being. If you are having shit with a relationship, whether it's family, work colleagues, or friends, if you want to write them a letter and speak to them, they said it doesn't matter what answer they give you. You have to clear it for you. You've got to clear it for your being. You don't want to have monkeys on your back, all yeah. this baggage. They said you need to travel when you travel in the airlines. You can do seven kilos in the overhead locker. Get rid of the baggage. Get your suitcase, which is filled with shit, right? All your problems and empty it out and go, yeah, you know what? That was the rob of last year. That was the rob of last month. Rob doesn't have to be like that anymore. Rob doesn't have to be anything for anyone other than for himself. You have to appease yourself. So you've got to lighten the load. Then they said, what do you physically have in your cupboards? What do you have in your homes that you don't need? And they said, your clothes that you've kept when you were going through bad situations actually physically still hold the vibrations of that. Give them away. Travel light. If you feel that the energy in your house is awful, paint it. They said painting is the most wonderful way to clean the energy. And then they said the thoughts in your head. What thoughts are you putting in your head? Are you always worrying about everybody else, what everybody else is thinking? Or are you owning yourself? Just own yourself. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. They came for their incarnation, you coming for yours. And what are you putting in your body? What are you actually choosing to put into your meat suit? So if you are unwell, why are you unwell? Have you actually asked your body what it needs? Because your spirit is here and your body's here and you're having a symbiotic relationship through this adventure. So what do your lungs want? What's actually good for your lungs as you vape? <laughs> hey, Rob. What are you doing to your lungs? I don't give a continental what you do to your lungs because they're your lungs. But are you serving them? No. So no. How can you want your lungs to serve you if you don't serve them? That's true. That makes a lot of sense. So <clears throat> it just depends how you want to live, what yep. you want to experience. Oh, I want to experience lung cancer. Oh, I want to experience not being able to walk. I want to have bad digestion or whatever. <coughs> so it's no judgment on my part because, because it's not my life. It's just what works for you. Yeah. Now, do you think we're in some kind of like, I, I, mean, I heard you say the words meat suit. Do you think we're in some kind of holographic reality? 
Yeah. I do too. Yeah, I do. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, I do. But I think it's very exciting. And it's 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 an incredible time to be alive. You know, um, they've shown me all the death and destruction that's coming. And <coughs> sorry, um, they said, why would you fear it? Why would anybody fear this? It's all part of ascension because we've died so many times. And so many people are dying every day from heart attacks, cancer, car accidents, you know, you name it. So people have to be authentic. They have to know who they are. They have to be liked. And the time is coming. They said huge changes by 2025. Total change by 2029. They told me the education system is going to collapse. The financial system is going to collapse. The health system is going to collapse. They said all our systems are so broken that new ones need to be built. And then they said the earth is going to shake. The whole earth is going to shake. People are not actually going to be able to stand up. They said they're going to be like snow angels. They're going to be lying on the ground with their legs and their arms spread because they won't be able to stand. And that's part of the earth actually ascending, taking her new place. I mean, you think about the thrust of a jumbo jet when it takes off and the rumblings. Yeah. So they said, but don't worry, because all the light workers, and they showed me millions and millions of spaceships in the air, and they're basically going to be beamed up, dematerialized, and then when the rumbling's over, and those that need to start the new system and the new seedings will be materialized again in the areas that they need to be. That's so cool. That's so cool that you get these messages. Now, the last question to you is like, how can we tune in to be more? Do we, can, can people learn from you how to tune into these energies if they have like, like if they're sensitive to psychic phenomena, like to sharpen their skills? Yes, I think, Rob, that anybody can do this. Some people obviously are, have got a, a bigger antenna out than others. Um, it happens when it's supposed to happen. You know, I didn't think it was going to happen and all the things that started happening. I mean, I went to Peru in 2020 and I started channeling out loud in front of everybody in this strangest language and giving messages to everybody. And it just came out of the blue. So this sort of thing does, it does happen, but the guides said, we are creative beings. We came here to create. We have the ability to will a dead cell to life. But do you believe it? If you believe it, you can do it. So that's why you have to know who you are. So please, to all your listeners, you are perfect and you are perfectly placed where you're supposed to be if you feel like a gut feeling of having to go somewhere and be somewhere and move to a different place 
please do it. That's your little voice in your head. That is your guide speaking to you. That's your higher self speaking to you. When you are busy, you are cutting yourself off from communication. The biggest gift you can give yourself is to go somewhere quiet, communicate by writing, or close your eyes, and just say, what is it that you wish to share with me today? And you're going to start seeing pictures, and you're going to think it's your imagination. But it'll just get stronger and stronger. And it's so fabulous and exciting, and it's a special time. And they said the building, it's like holding a party in your apartment, Rob. It's like, how many people can you have in your place? I guess that depends, right? Now, how many could you fit in, do you think? Oh, at least 20, 30. I mean, yeah. If I said I want 150 in, in your place, you wouldn't be able to fit them in? No. Okay. They said that's what Ascension is about. The star seed sent out a message through the galaxies asking for volunteers to be here at this time. So they sent the best of the best to help Gaia with Ascension. But they said, how big is the building? Not everybody could come. So only those that had special skills were chosen to come at this time. So everybody that's listening, whether they think they have a special skill or not, are exactly here at the right time. That's amazing. This has been amazing stuff. Um, well, I, I want to thank you. I think that was really well said. And I want to thank you for doing this. And um, if you could tell everybody if they want to get your services, how they can find you, uh, your, or, or your website and stuff like that. Oh, and, and Rob, thanks for having me on. This that was, was It was just fun to chat. I mean, I didn't tell you half of the 10 million stories, but because <laughs> it's been so much time travel and so many different things. So thank you so much. Um, they can find me. I've got a website called jillcole.org. And I've also got a YouTube channel where they can see um, a lot of the channelings. Um, and at the moment, I'm doing a series with Michelle Carpenter. So each week I'm hypnotizing her and I'm asking her questions and she's channeling all the answers and we're finding out about the earth, what's happening in all the different areas, um, what to look out for and getting messages from Thoth and Hercules and um, going in spaceships. It's, it's quite, quite fun. That's amazing. It seems like we can do really amazing stuff with hypnosis, right? I mean, we can oh. go to the ends of the earth and, and beyond. Yeah. You can go parallel life because people think it's a past life, but it's not because it's all happening at the same time. So you can take them into their future selves and see the future and you can go into that parallel. Like they said to me, it's like a CD. So you've got Celine Dion playing six different songs on a CD. Some are short, some are long, but they're all on the same CD and you can jump from song to song. So that's like hypnosis. You'll be able to just jump from lifetime to lifetime. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'd, I'd like to do this again because you have a lot of amazing information. Like this was really fun. Like, I, I learned a lot. And, uh, you know, as your research keeps going on, I'd like to, up, you know, get updates and do another show with you. 
on your research. So maybe we should hypnotize you, Rob, and put it on your platform. Uh, we can do that. I've done it before. I put. I've, I have a couple regressions on my on my channel. I do. Yeah, I'd be open to that. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, you can email me, or I'll email you. And we can set it up. And uh, awesome. Yeah. And and good luck for tomorrow with Michelle. You're in for a treat. Oh, I'm, I I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Keep me posted. I will. Okay. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you. All See right. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.